When you have a child that leaves the LDS Church, you're taking a parenting detour. Have you ended up in a place you never thought you would be? When life takes you on a different path and it seems like everything has gone wrong, it's your opportunity to learn to show up differently and to learn to love in a whole new way. No matter why your child has left the church, you're in the right place to learn how to parent through the detour with me, LDS Life Coach Tina Gosney. Buckle up, let's go on this ride together. Welcome back to episode six. This is a super important episode. This is something that a lot of people want to skip or not even acknowledge or pay attention to. That's the reason that we have so many problems is because this is something that we don't want to acknowledge or pay attention to. And that is our emotions. So many people feel like their emotions are frivolous or unimportant. They're actually one of the most important things that we have going on inside of our bodies. And I'm going to show you why that is today. So really, when our children leave the church, we can it's so easy to go on an emotional roller coaster where you feel like you're at the mercy of whatever's happening, whatever whatever decisions your child is making, you get stuck in comparison, you get all these emotions and it feels so overwhelming and you just feel like you can't get off this roller coaster. You that you're at somebody else's mercy. I'm going to show you today how you can start to get off that roller coaster. So I'm going to take you back to 2019, two years ago, because now we're in 2021. So this is just over two years ago. And it was Mother's Day, which I mean, some people, a a handful of people that I know love Mother's Day. Most women that I know do not love Mother's Day. And they have Lots and lots of reasons, right? Everybody has their own reason for not loving Mother's Day. But I would say most of the people that I know don't. That's not their favorite holiday. They don't love it. Um, and it's it's a difficult day for them. So Mother's Day 2019, I had a really, really tough time. By 9 o'clock in the morning... Something had happened, and I was already a little bit on edge that day, but something happened around 9 o'clock, and I just started crying. It was like right when our sacred meeting was starting, and I just started crying, and I found it really hard to get control of my emotions during church that day, and came home, and something else happened around noon, and by this time, I had felt like like two of my children had rejected me. And I couldn't stop crying. About every 30 minutes, I was crying and just could not get a handle on my emotions. And I went to bed crying. I remember waking up in the middle of the night crying too. And I woke up the next morning. And as soon as I realized and was awake enough to realize what had happened the day before, I started crying again. And... I remember around eight or so that morning, I was on my way to the grocery store. The grocery store was only less than a two mile drive from my house is where I was going. And I remember leaving my neighborhood, driving out of my neighborhood and thinking, I don't want to go through the rest of the day feeling like this and crying for another day. 
I've had enough of that. I want to move past it. And, and I knew because I was a coach, I knew how to do that. I would tell you that a few years ago before that, I didn't, I would not have known how to do that on my own, but I did know how to move past this because I'm a coach and I help people do this all the time. So on my way to the grocery store, I processed this emotion and by the time I got there, remember I said it's less than a two mile drive. So it was maybe five minutes. By the time I got to the grocery store, I had processed that emotion and I was fine the rest of the day. Now, you might be wondering, what does that mean to even process an emotion? And how did you do that? <laughs> because maybe you're feeling also like you're spinning and stuck in, a, in an emotion or you're like on a roller coaster that you just can't get off of. And I'll share that with you in a little bit. But I want to share some other things with you. And one of those is, if you're not on my email list, I really want you to go to my website, tinagosny.com, and find the Start Here button at the top of the page. It's in the main menu. So if you push that button, it's going to take you to, you can put in your email, but it's also going to give you an automatic download of a PDF training that I've created, which is called Five Ways to Feel Better Right Now. And if you're feeling, especially if you're relating to this episode, you're going to want to go get on that email list and do that training because I send out ways to feel better to my list all the time. And there's really, really great ways and, and tips for you on that PDF training to know how to feel better. Because don't we all just want to feel better, right? We don't feel like, we don't like feeling terrible. And what's happening for us and what was happening for me on this Mother's Day two years ago where I was feeling terrible? Why was it that I was not able to get, get out of that emotion and stop crying until I processed it? We all wanted to come to this earth to have experiences. We know that we lived before we came here with God in the spirit world and he was presented a plan to us and we wanted to come to this earth so we could have a body. There were things that we knew that we couldn't experience unless we had a body because there are things that happen to our bodies that let us experience things in a different way that we can't experience just with a spirit. And emotions are something that we need a body to truly experience. So it's not something that we talk about usually in church, is that we wanted to come to, to the earth so that we could have emotions. But it really is one of the reasons that we wanted to come to earth, so that we could have a body to experience emotions. Because our emotions are a chemical that's released in our body because of a way that we are thinking. So you have a thought about something and your brain releases a chemical into your body and you experience that emotion physically. It shows up somewhere in your body as a physical reaction because your brain released a chemical and it's all dependent on the way that you are thinking. So think about when you feel anger, where do you feel it in your body? That's a really strong emotion it's pretty easy to determine where you feel anger. And we tend to experience these emotions in similar ways to other people, but sometimes they're 
a little bit unique to you. You might feel anger a little differently than other people. So this is how I experience anger. I know my face gets red and it gets really hot and it feels like it's pounding, like it's vibrating. My hands get really tense and they clench and I sometimes will hold my breath. And that's what anger feels like to me. And if I was going to give it a color, I would give it red because I know that my face turns red and it just feels red to me. Now, sadness is also another really strong emotion that you could probably pinpoint pretty easily how it feels in your body. And to me, it feels hard. It feels gray, like kind of like a sludgy gray, you know, like a rainy day when you the, everything just looks gray, has like a gray film over it. That's what sadness feels like to me. And it feels heavy. And I know my entire body just kind of droops a little bit because I feel heavy. And that's what sadness feels like to me. So we have eight emotions that we really try to avoid because they're uncomfortable. I'm not even going to call them negative because negative implies that there's that we just need to get rid of them. They're really just uncomfortable. But these emotions have so much to teach us if we are willing to open ourselves up to them and let ourselves learn from them. Those emotions are sadness, shame, helplessness, anger, embarrassment, disappointment, frustration, and vulnerability. And we resist them. Think about, do you really want to experience any of those emotions? 99% of people are going to say no, because they are very uncomfortable and we don't want to feel them. They are extremely uncomfortable. And we spend so much of our lives pushing them away. We just pretend lots of times like they're not even there. We want to think of it like, like they're trying to come in through a door. I think of this like, you know, uh, like a horror movie where you see the main character is trying to not let the villain or the thing that's trying to kill her in and she's holding a door shut or trying to put something in front of the door so that that thing that's threatening her can't get in. That's kind of what we do with when we resist our emotions. We put that put something in front of the door that doesn't allow them to actually come in and we say things like, oh, I'm fine. Everything's fine. And we get into an I'm fine coma where we're just existing in our lives, living on the other side of that door, afraid of letting that emotion come in, not allowing ourselves to face the emotions that we think are so painful if we acknowledge them. So we just pretend that they're not even there at all. So when I get on a call with a client and I ask, how are you doing? And if their first response is, oh, I'm fine. Usually within the first five minutes after we start talking, they're in tears because they're really not fine. And we are telling ourselves that we're fine and we're not. Some of the reasons that we do that, you know, one of the big reasons I've seen is because we don't want to burden someone else with our story. We feel like they don't need to know my stuff. You know, it's just going to, 
I don't want to weigh anybody else down. It's hard enough for me to live. It's hard that I don't want to talk about it or that it's not their burden to bear. It's mine. So we don't share those things with other people. Another reason that we don't share is because we feel like other somebody else hasn't earned our trust. So we don't feel safe sharing our story with them. And that's a real thing. We need to be careful with who we share our stories with. We need to feel like that our story is safe with someone in order to share that with them. And another reason is we're trying to feel fine and pretend everything is okay so we don't have to really look at the way that we're feeling. But that is a problem because it's the equivalent of willpower. And willpower, you know, if you're trying to lose weight and you're just relying on willpower to do that, there's only so much willpower that we each have. It's like... When you're resisting your emotions and not letting them come in, it's like you're hanging off the edge of a cliff and holding on by your fingernails. How long are you going to be able to maintain that? How long can you hold that position before it just becomes too overwhelming and you just lose your strength to continue that position? You know you're eventually going to let go and fall, but you're desperately trying to hold on and you're just waiting for everything to fall apart. So you live in constant fear of when it finally does. And that's what's happening when you're just pretending that you're okay and you're not. Because those feelings don't go away. They just keep building and building and building until they explode. Like a you know like when you're boiling trying to boil milk. Boiling milk overflows that pan so easily. And that's what happens when when we ignore our emotions and we try to push them away and pretend that they're not there. You want to be willing to allow your feelings to be there and allow yourself to feel them. So that's what resisting our emotions looks like. It looks like pushing them away and not acknowledging that they're there. Another thing that we do with our emotions is we react to them. And that looks like I'm acting them out. If I'm angry, I'm going to start fighting with somebody. I might start throwing things. I might start yelling. If I'm sad... I'm going to be crying. This is what I was doing on that Mother's Day. I was crying a lot and just going to bed and, and, and walking around with a sad face so that everybody knew that I was so sad. And when we react to our emotions and act them out in the real world, we try to manipulate other people in what they do. Because we think other somebody else needs to change so that we can feel better. If, if that person over there just did that, did what I want them to do, then I would be fine. You could have slamming cupboards, arguing with people, throwing things, crying. You're acting out that feeling. Now, one, of, one thing that my clients ask me is like, what's wrong with crying? Is it always reacting to an emotion? It is always a bad thing. I would say, no, it's not. Because sometimes crying is a natural thing that we need to do to have a release. Depends on what your crying is doing for you. So on that Mother's Day when I was crying, it was not moving me forward into a place where I was okay. It was just uh, reacting to my emotion. It wasn't a cathartic cry. It was a poor me cry. And there's a difference between those two things. And when I used to be when I was upset with my husband... I would slam cupboards in the kitchen until he would ask me what was wrong. Now I just tell him what's wrong and I skip the whole acting out my emotions part. 
So you're going to see this a lot reacting to your emotions. You're going to see this a lot on on social media when people are saying really nasty things to each other and treating each other horribly and just reacting, reacting without thinking. They're acting out their emotions. So what's wrong with acting out your emotions? Well, you let loose on other people, so it connect, it kills connection. It damages our relationships. When we just react to everything, and then we feel later on like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Shouldn't have said that. It creates distrust. It makes us feel worse after we do it, not better. And we try to justify it, and we try to make excuses for it, and we blame other people for how we act. So if they didn't do that, I wouldn't have had to act like this. And that line of thinking makes you, it leads you to think that you have no responsibility for how you show up because it gives all the power for how you act to what somebody else did. And that leaves you a victim. Victims have no power on their, in their own life. And when you can't control the way that you're acting, you give all that power to someone else, you become a victim. You give all of your power away to somebody else. And this is so prevalent in our world today, isn't it? Everyone wants to blame their actions on what someone else did or didn't do. We have a total victim society. How different would our world be if we each took responsibility for our own emotions and didn't blame someone else for how we are feeling? We would live in a very, very different world. Now, another way that we try to handle our emotions in an unhealthy way is by numbing ourselves to them. My kids used to take, well, before they had Bluetooth speakers that would allow them to, you know, connect by Bluetooth to a speaker and play their music louder from their phones or their iPods. They used to put that phone or iPod in an empty glass because it would work as a, an amplifier. So they would take that into the bathroom with them when they got ready in the morning. And think of how that amplifies. And a phone or an iPod in an empty glass amplifies. So when our bodies are empty and we have an emotion that is vibrating or doing something inside of us and our bodies feel empty, we want to put things inside of our body to dull that emotion. Because if my kids had put a put something in that glass, say they put in a glass full of cotton balls or Q-tips or, or anything, it wouldn't have vibrated the way it did when it was empty. So by putting something in our bodies, it, dulls, it also dulls the vibration of that emotion. Emotional eating is a real thing. Have you ever heard of the phrase, you're eating your emotions? Instead of feeling them, you should feel your emotions instead of eating them. Emotional eating is a real thing. If you don't think you're emotionally eating, I'm going to challenge you to write down what you're going to eat the next day, so 24 hours ahead of time, and don't eat anything but that. And do that for a week. You're going to find out really quickly when you are eating emotionally. And you're going to begin to notice when you're feeling an an uncomfortable emotion, if you are an emotional eater. 
Your body needs fuel, but it usually doesn't need as much fuel or the types of fuel that we give it. And we eat out of boredom. We eat out of sadness. Think of like a movie when you see a couple break up and then you see the woman on the couch at crying in the middle of the night eating ice cream out of a carton. I mean, it's a real thing and it's portrayed so often in the movies, right? And then there's social pressure, eating out with friends. I always eat more when I'm eating out with other people. And our brain needs, it really thinks it needs a hit of dopamine in the form of processed carbs, you know, flour and sugar and things that are quickly absorbed into our bloodstream so we can get a hit of dopamine into our brains. We numb ourselves by looking for false pleasures. Sometimes we make ourselves really busy so that we don't even have time to, we don't have time to feel that emotion. We volunteer for things or we work extra. We wear our busyness as a badge of honor. I've actually seen women get into a busyness competition. It's kind of like a passive aggressive thing. Like I'm busier than you. Oh no, I'm busier than you. And they go back and forth competing to see who's more busy. It's kind of crazy how we do this. It's another way of distracting ourselves from feeling our emotions by just keeping ourselves so busy that we don't even have time to acknowledge that they're there. Another way that we numb ourselves, this is a big one, it's by shopping. And it gives us a dopamine hit and it makes us feel good in the moment. But then lots of times we end up with things that we don't need and we don't have the money that we might have needed but we have something else that we really didn't need. And it gives us a hit of dopamine. It helps us feel good in the moment, but then later on we get to pay the price for it. It's so easy to shop now online too. You can do it just at the touch of a, it's right in your hand. Just able to go shopping right on your phone. We also will avoid our emotions and numb ourselves by using our screens. Netflix. Hulu, streaming, anything, social media, we get a checkout from our real life for a little while. Some other ways that we numb ourselves are drinking alcohol. It numbs our emotions. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to porn. This is where we start seeing addictions come from. And it begins with a need to avoid an emotion And then it turns into a biological response from the body that becomes harder to overcome once it's moved into that biological response. But one of the reasons that we wanted a body is the very thing we spend so much time and energy to avoid. Isn't this interesting? We wanted to come to earth to get a body so we could experience our life through emotions and we spend so much of our life avoiding, resisting, reacting, numbing ourselves from those very emotions that we wanted to come here to experience. This is so interesting. We think if we let ourselves feel that we're going to go down into a deep, dark hole and we won't be able to come back from it. We think those emotions are going to overtake us. I can't even open that door. Remember, like I said, the horror movie of the girl trying to keep that emotion, which is the Thing that's most threatening to her in that moment. She's pushing a dresser. She's locking the door. She's trying to hold it shut. We think it's going to be so painful that we won't be able to stand it. 
and something happens, we have a negative thought about it, our body releases a chemical response, and then we freak out because our body and mind are doing what they are designed to do. But we think that something has gone wrong. So instead of allowing our body to process that emotion, and believe me, our bodies are designed to do this. They are designed to process our emotion. It's our minds that won't let us do that. Because we take that emotion and we move it up into our heads and we fixate on it. We spin around in it and we create stories about what happened. We don't even know if these stories are true, by the way. We jump to assumptions and conclusions and we make that emotion last for hours or days and sometimes years. But if you leave that emotional response in your body and you let your body do what it's designed to do, it's only going to last for 90 seconds. 90 seconds. That is half, less than half of a song. That's like half of a really short song on the radio. Your body is going to metabolize the chemical response and then it will subside. So think of if you've ever seen a wave and been to the ocean, you've seen a wave where it it crests, it has its peak, and then it gradually dissipates to the shore and it washes away. That's the same thing that our emotions do. It has a peak where it's going to feel at strongest And then it's gradually going to come down and dissipate as it washes away. And if you allow your body to do this correctly, it will take 90 seconds. So when you realize what an emotion is, it's just a chemical vibration in your body. It puts this into perspective. You are not going to go down into a deep, dark hole. It is not going to overtake you. And it will not be so painful that you can't stand it. It's when we resist, we react, or we avoid that that emotion becomes a problem and we find things happening like it overtaking you and leading you on that emotional roller coaster where you don't feel like you have control. So how did I process my emotions that Mother's Day? Remember, I was crying the whole day before. I had been crying for, by this time, about 24 hours. Literally like every 30 minutes. Well, let's take a few hours out of that because I was sleeping part of that time. But I was dri- I was driving to the grocery store and I started crying again. And I said, nope, I need to process this emotion. And I need to let myself feel this. So there I was sitting at a stoplight. And this is what I did. First of all, you have to take a step, a little bit of a step outside yourself. And look at yourself as if you were an outsider to your own body. And I asked myself, what are you feeling right now? And I answered myself and said, I am really sad. I'm feeling a lot of sadness. And then I said, where do you feel it? And I said, I feel it in my chest and I feel it in my face. And I described it to myself. It felt like I had a big, hard rock sitting right inside my chest. And my whole body felt like I have a heavy weighted blanket on top of me. Have you ever put one of those weighted blankets on top and how it just makes your whole body droop? 
That's what I felt like. And I said, you know, it feels like it's really dark gray. Like that, that big hard rock sitting in my chest is a dark gray heavy rock that's just sitting there and it's too heavy to move. And I got really curious and I said, so why, why am I feeling sad? And the answer that I had was, I felt like my kids had rejected me the day before. And when I said that to myself, I had some compassion for me because I thought that it makes perfect sense that I would feel sad. Just let yourself be sad. And I let the sadness wash over me. I allowed it without trying to tense my body up against it and push it away. And I and without crying. And I let that sadness wash all over me. Felt it really intense for just a few seconds. And then I felt that subside as it just as it just washed right out of my body. And by the time I got to the store, parked my car, it was gone. I didn't have any more sadness. And I went through the rest of that day and didn't cry. I was, I had worked my way through that sadness. Now, I want to tell you that I never cried again because of that Mother's Day, but that would not be true. Because for the next year, every time I thought about that Mother's Day, I would experience that same emotion again. And remember I said our emotions are caused by the way that we're thinking. So every time I thought about that Mother's Day, I created the emotion of sadness all over again. But I knew exactly what to do with that emotion because I had processed it. So all I had to do was go through the same process again and let it wash through my body and let my body metabolize that chemical that was in my bloodstream. Now, everything that we do in our life is because of how we're feeling. The way that we feel drives every action that we have. So when you feel love for someone else, you act more kindly to that person. You treat them more loving. If you feel judged, you're either going to pull back from that person or you might start looking for things that you think are wrong with them. If you feel overwhelmed, you're either going to rush around trying to get a whole bunch of things done and probably be ineffective because you're not doing anything really well. Or you don't do anything at all because you don't even know where to start. You feel so overwhelmed that it's paralyzing. and You don't even know what to do. I could go on and on with, you know, different emotions and tell you what they cause us to, that would cause you to do, but... You get the idea. Our emotions cause us to do things. Now, all the things that we do come from the way that we're feeling. And the things that we do give us the results that we have in our life. So when I feel love and I act more kindly and loving towards my husband, I'm going to create a stronger connection with him. And I'm probably going to feel more love as a result of that stronger connection that I feel with him. When I feel judged by someone else and I look for the things that I think are wrong with that person that I think is judging me, I'm actually judging them and doing the same thing that I think that they're doing to me. And when I get overwhelmed and I feel like I have so many things to do and I don't even know where to start, 
I don't get anything done. And I still have so many things to do. All of these examples will just circle back on themselves. And that Mother's Day, when I was feeling so sad because I thought that my kids had rejected me, I pulled away from them. I isolated myself in my room. I ended up rejecting them, and I felt even more sadness and more disconnection from my family. And this is called mirroring. Mirroring someone else's emotions is a common human behavior, unless you realize that you're prone to do this and you have awareness around it. And everything that you want in your life is because of how you think it's going to make you feel. We seek emotions because that's how we want to experience our life. Someday, I want to take my whole family to Hawaii. I want to take my whole family because I want to create some fun memories and I want to have this fun experience with them in a new place that they're excited about. And I think that this is going to help me feel like I'm doing a good job as a parent when I can bring my family together. And if I can do that, I'm going to feel so proud and successful as a parent. But the truth is, I wanted this because of how I think it's going to make me feel. I don't need to take my family to Hawaii to feel proud of the job that I'm doing as a mother. I don't even need to take them to the movies to feel proud of the job that I'm doing because my feeling of being proud doesn't come from something outside of myself. It comes from the way that I'm thinking about myself. It's part of our human experience to have emotions. There's so many important things that come to us through our emotions and if we're willing to open ourselves up to them because the Holy Ghost communicates with us through our emotions. And if we're not willing to acknowledge them, we are missing out on a lot of communication from our Heavenly Father. I mean, it even the scriptures even talk about this when it talks about a burning or a swelling in your heart, or I will tell you in your heart and in your mind. It tells us things. The Holy Ghost communicates so many things through our emotions, through our willingness to open up to them. Our emotions drive us to do things in, in our life that help us to progress. They, they drive us to want to learn and to grow. That's how we're biologically programmed. And they can keep us from doing hard things that will help us learn and grow. We don't want to be uncomfortable, and growth is hard. We think if we experience fear, or if we're frustrated or discouraged, we tend to hide and we pull back and we don't allow ourselves to open up to those emotions and go through them so that we can grow to something else on the other side. We don't open ourselves up to new experiences and the growth that we need. We close ourselves off to so many things. Our feelings, they let us experience our relationships as we connect with other people. Because the main way that we connect with others is through emotional connections. Everyone wants to feel seen, heard, and understood. And if you can help someone else feel this by the way that you show up around them, you can establish a connection with them. And that connection will impact them and your relationship. Did you know that's 80% of their relationship is the emotional connection that you have with someone else? I used to teach music classes, and this was my goal with my kids in my class. I knew that if I could establish an emotional connection with them, then I was much more likely to have control over my classroom. 
and be able to be in charge and to have those kids learn to love music, which is something that's so lacking in music education today. So another thing that our emotions do for us is they tell us that something is wrong when we feel bad. They alert us to danger. Have you ever felt like something just wasn't right? Something didn't feel good and you needed to avoid it. That's so important to pay attention to, right? That kind of feeds into another way that the Holy Ghost communicates with us. And in the scriptures we read that men are that they might have joy. But true joy is experienced when our spirit and our bodies and our true natures are aligned. We need both our spirit and our body to experience true joy. We live in a very cognitive society. Everyone wants to rationalize and understand everything with their thoughts and their minds. But we really need to pay attention to what our bodies are trying to tell us. They're like the hard drives of our life. They keep track of everything. Our minds cannot keep track of everything. In our conscious mind, we can only recall 10% of what has happened to us in our lives. Because our mind will filter out what it thinks is not relevant to us, and it stores it in our subconscious memory and in our body. But our bodies remember 100% of what has happened to us in our lives. There's a lot of wisdom in our body and in our emotions when we let ourselves pay attention to them. So when you allow yourself to experience an emotion, it means that your brain is trying to alert you to something important. On that Mother's Day, my brain was trying to tell me that I still had more work to do on my relationships with my kids and myself. It was a wake-up call to me. But the problem is that I was taking that emotion of sadness and I moved it up into my head and spinned in it and all the ways that I thought I was being rejected by my children. And I was spinning around in thoughts of being a failure as a mother. And I made that feeling of sadness last for over 24 hours because it wasn't, I did not allow it to move through my body and I did not allow my body to process it. And I had to do that before I could move through it. I was trying to go around it. I was trying to go any which way except actually feeling the emotion of sadness. And years ago, I would have told you, oh, I'm plenty sad. I'm feeling sadness. I'm allowing myself to feel sadness. But spinning around and crying is not allowing yourself to feel sad. That is reacting to an emotion. Another thing emotions do is they let us know what our values are. And, and that day when I experienced sadness, it was valuable to me. I realized that I really valued having a good relationship with my children. And sadness was telling me that I wasn't quite there yet. So pay attention to those emotions. They're going to tell you what your values are and where you might have some work to do. And realize that you're not your thoughts. You are not your emotions. Your brain is just programmed for survival. And it's going to tell you all sorts of things that are, it thinks that are important for you to survive. And your feelings, remember, are, they're going to come because of what you think about and what you choose to focus on. And your feelings are going to lead you to take actions, to do certain things. Your actions, those things that you do, will give you the results that you have in your life. So if you don't like the results that you have in your life right now, you need to take a look at the way that you're thinking and feeling and how that is contributing to the the results that you have in your life. 
So at first, when you try to pay attention to your emotions, if you're not used to doing this, you're going to have a hard time pinpointing what they are. You're going to have a hard time when you decide to pay attention to them. And this is normal. So if you're not used to really acknowledging that you have emotions or figuring out what they are or even really anything that like paying attention to them, you're going to have a hard time doing this at first. And that's normal and that's okay. Instead of saying, what am I feeling? Maybe ask yourself, do I feel open or closed right now? Is there a tightness and a closing in? Because our bodies physically will react to what we are, what we're feeling and thinking. Or do you feel light and opening up? So usually our uncomfortable emotions cause us to tighten and close. And the feelings that we enjoy having will make us feel light and they make us feel open. And your body language is going to show that. And you're not going to know. Another thing is you're not going to know how to let yourself feel your feelings. And that is what I'm here for. I help my clients with their feelings and I help them explore those all the time. And I help them know what to do with those and how to not let their feelings turn into a problem for them. And this is what I want to leave you with today. Remember that emotional roller coaster that so many of us feel like we're on? You can get off. The key to that is paying attention to the emotions that you're having. It's like the secret to the universe that no one tells you. When you are willing to allow yourself to feel any emotion and you aren't afraid of feeling them, you will have so much more courage to do the things that you want to do and put yourself in situations that you wouldn't have before. You're going to feel like you have more control in your own life because what you're really feeling is those emotions that you feel like you have no control over. But when you realize that you do, that all you have to do is allow yourself to feel them instead of doing all the crazy things that we do to try to avoid that, when you realize that you can feel your emotions and they only will take 90 seconds, that is the secret to the universe. That is the secret to you taking control back in your life. I promise you. If you want to talk to me about this, get on a call with me. I offer a free call. Just go to my website and click the work with me button on the main menu and set up a free call. And we can talk about how this can happen for you. So that is my takeaway for you today. Pay attention to your emotions because it's the secret to the universe. Thank you so much for being here with me today. I would love it if you would hit follow and subscribe and leave me a review on this podcast. And if you are finding value in what you are hearing in this podcast, share it with a friend. Share it with someone else that you know is struggling and that might have use for this in their life. Thanks for listening to Parenting Through the Detour podcast. I'm your host, Tina Gosney. If you want to learn more about my work, please visit me at tinagosney.com. That's T-I-N-A-G-O-S-N-E-Y.com. And don't forget to subscribe and follow this podcast. I'll see you next week.